The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Up Close with Chris Tinney. Don't forget to visit ChrisTinney.com for more information about today's topics and download the new Spread Peace app that makes it easy to take action and advocate for the causes you care about. And now, here's your host, Chris Tinney. Welcome back to another episode of Up Close with Chris Tinney. And today on the show, we have an awesome guest, Andrea Herman. I'll get to in just a minute. But first of all, I want to thank everybody who's been sharing our shows online and the downloads that have been taking place. 30,000 last month in our very first month. That's one of the, the best results they've had with a new host in a long time. So thank you. As I've made the switch from Tan Talk Radio out in the southeastern United States and up in the Northwest and most recently here on um, in Cadon in here in Las Vegas, a lot of people wondered why we were going online. And the reason is because it's the future. It's a way for you to be able to catch these shows whenever you can it's a way for you to get information you know when it's convenient for you and and have links and other ways you can follow up and so that's why i'm so excited everybody and we have the new phone app on christeny.com if you check that out that'll show you, you can get all the past episodes on there and the new shows are posted right there now as always just a reminder to everybody you can um you can call in, ask a question if you like, and talk to the producer. He'll he'll let us know that you're on the line. You can also uh, share on Facebook or post your comment on the page, and, and we'll catch it that way, too. Today, we, I am really excited, folks. Um, you know, I have told everybody, when I first heard that hemp could heal the planet, I was, I was, that's a pretty strong statement. I mean, I know a lot of people out there that are doing a lot of good in the world. You know, the, you know, we're going to have the captain of Sea Shepherd on here soon. We're going to have other people. And so when they say hemp can heal the planet, I thought those were pretty strong words. But the more I looked into it, the more I realized that there really is no other plant that I'm aware of or that anyone's ever been able to, sh- to show me that can have such an impact on humanity from all of the different uh, textiles, consumer goods, and fuels that can be created. And so that's why I was really excited. We had Andrea Herman on our show, gosh, probably about a month ago. It was one of our very first shows uh, with Bruce Perlwin, the the, uh, CEO of Hemp Inc., and I wanted to have her back on. She started teaching a course here as a professor at the Oregon State University. She's the president of Hemp Industries uh, Association. She just got back from sampling at the Manitoba plant up there. She's also has her own consulting business. She's worked on legislation with organizations. There's very few people that you can talk to hemp about that ha- can talk on any topic and have such a well-rounded knowledge. And so, Andrea Herman, thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely, Chris. Thanks so much for having me back. Well, let me ask you this. For those people that are new to hemp, if they don't know anything about it, what would you, how would you explain to them why hemp is so important? You know, this is one of the things I say is we're talking about, you know, thanking our farmers. So hello, farmers out there listening in today. Thank you so much for cultivating our food crops. Not only is hemp a food crop, but this is a fiber crop and beyond crop. So I love the concept of cultivating 
something within our society that can give us so much and that we have so much to give back to it by cultivating it, by conducting the research that we need to, to discover exactly what does this plant mean to our society. It's very exciting to be in, to be in the industry right now where we're really just starting to scratch the surface and we have the analyticals to actually prove what we find below the surface. So right now, Andrea, here in the United States, we're the number one importer of hemp, and yet we're just now beginning to pass legislation that allows our our farmers to grow hemp. Can you share with people kind of the history of of why hemp has been uh, blocked and why it's just now starting to to be talked about? Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of sort of conspiracy theories that would be out there, but when it comes right down to it, we're talking about a legal definition of this plant. And that's what Section 7606 starts to do, which is the legitimacy of industrial hemp research in the farming, the farm bill. So we're starting with a legal definition. So this isn't something, you know, back in the day when we're looking at, you know, I'm from Missouri. So if we go back, you know, in the 1800s, there was, you know, no legal definition for industrial hemp, just like, you know, crops were all pretty much grown organically, but we didn't call them organic agriculture at that time. It was just how things were grown with no pesticides. So now we've moved into needing to define this because of its status in the generic cannabis as being a controlled substance. And and what do you see happening right now as it's starting to become legalized and, and, and we're starting to use it? Do you see more farmers being interested in it? Does the, the, the revenue they can make from a hemp crop compare to what they can make with some of the other crops? What, wh- where do you see the economy of this currently? Going forward, we've seen over a 20% growth rate in, in Canada alone when we talk about the production facilities. And once again, we're still a niche crop and we're still growing it over that 20% rate. So that's great to see that the marketplace is picking up. People are thinking about healthy foods. They're talking about what kind of composites we can do. So starting to see that. And also on the farmer side, you know, I was out sampling, as you said, across the Canadian prairies in Manitoba and Saskatchewan. And one of the farmers said to me, said, even what they would classify would be a poorer hemp field is still worth harvesting because of the dollar that you get paid by weight, clean, dry weight for the grain. And this is only looking at the grain side, for example. So, and that's driving people back to the farm. And we're seeing this all across, you know, the United States right now as, as the generation, you know, in our thirties and forties are coming back to the farm. This is an even younger driving us to want to engage in the farming community. So I love that concept of it also bringing, people back to their family farms. Well, yeah, and the and the kinds of items that people can make with from clothing to textiles and, you know, Henry Ford made a car that there's a video floating around on that uh, is pretty exciting too. Do you, do you see farmers being able to make a living doing hemp here compared to the other crops though? I mean, you mentioned grain. What are the other top things they can do with the hemp crops? Well, besides grain, which grain is going to what's going to be produced to make your hauled hemp, your shelled hemp, your peeled hemp, your hemp hearts, depending on where you're at and the product brand name. Also to make those protein powders, your flowers, your toasted seed. I've got a, a really lovely product I like right in front of you. I've been snacking on it. This is the um, Himalayan 
dark chocolate hemp seeds. So these are mm. hemp grain that's been rendered non-viable, toasted, and then covered with chocolate. Delicious. So, you know, so many products. We're talking about biocompasses. We're talking about, uh, you know, using it as a building material to make alternatives for press boards, uh, eyeglasses. So really, we're just, as I say, starting to scratch that surface. But the interesting thing is sort of that that research community coming together. And that's also what's really exciting. I just met with we have a research trial in North Dakota and there's other trials going on in Tennessee and Kentucky, for instance, and just had the opportunity to visit with Dr. Dave Williams from down at the Kentucky Project. And one of the things he says is, you know, at his, at his later age, it's not very often that somebody in, a, in agronomy or in the profession of agriculture gets the opportunity to work with a, a, a new crop, right. if you want to say hemp is a new crop. So that's really yeah. exciting to see hemp drive passion in what we would say people who carry the institutional knowledge of higher academia. Well, you know, as all this research goes on, you know, more and more people are getting interested in careers in hemp. I want to talk in a minute about the course that you're teaching at Oregon State University. I, I was, I'm thrilled to see, you know, a, a, you know, a full-on accredited college with, you know, esteem like that, you know, carrying hemp courses and, and with you as a professor, I'm sure they're going to get a lot out of it. What, but before we talk about that, can, what kinds of employment opportunities do you see coming up as these crops become more and more prevalent with farmers, especially here in the United States? Well, everybody's going to need their sales team. I mean, that's one thing. So we've got marketing, we've got sales team force. I mean, but we also are going to need to have quality assurance people, people to run the laboratories that are going to be quite require. We're going to need the all the analytical, um, the machine tooling. So you know, you're going to need to have your millworks people who are going to be working in the flour mills, for instance. So I, what I also love is that, you know, we have such a wide breadth. This could be something that somebody is making something at home and selling at the, at the, at the farmer's market all the way to something that's going to go on the commercial retail shelf. So, so much space for people to find their way. And, you know, I, I do often get Chris people who will call me and say, you know, I want to get into the hemp industry. I want to work with hemp. Right. Well, what about hemp do you want to work with? We have to help hone in on what it really is you're passionate about because as we've already covered it a very limited amount of time. There's so many things that we could get passionate about. So how do we take that passion and, and try to drive it in, in a direction that has a focus so we don't get lost on our hemp path and we're able to really to really mold what we want to do? Wow, that's exciting. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take our first break here. And when we come back, we're going to keep talking about your passion and our passion, which is hemp. And we'll be, if you want to call in and uh, ask a question or talk to Andrea, you can dial 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788 from anywhere in North America. And we'll be right back after this message from Matthew McConaughey. Would it be crazy if you just stopped everything, packed your bags and left for a week, a month? A year. What if you left for two years? Would people think you'd lost your mind? What if you were going far away to help in a village on the edge of the Gobi Desert? A village crowded with Buddhist temples, not skyscrapers. A place where there isn't a word for recluse, but a thousand words for community. Would it be crazy to go 5,000 miles from home? To spend time with people the rest of the world only reads about? To build libraries and fill them with stories? prepare a meal with food you helped grow, to teach children, and learn a thing or two about yourself. 
Wouldn't that be crazy? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 1-800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov. Do you know a nonprofit that could use more money to accomplish their mission? Are you working for a charitable cause right now and need funding to do more? Nonprofitfundraising.com is dedicated to helping nonprofits and charities raise the funds they need. Discover the best fundraising ideas of 2015 and compare your fundraising results with others. Learn how to grow your organization and connect with more supporters at nonprofitfundraising.com. That's nonprofitfundraising.com. Welcome back to Up Close with Chris Tinney. To call in and be part of the show, dial 1-866-472-5788 from anywhere in North America. That's 1-866-472-5788. And now, back to the show. Welcome back. We're up close with Andrea Herman today, the president of the Industrial Hemp Association, also professor at Oregon State University. We talked about a little bit about the history of hemp, really how it ended up being in a place where here in America, we're the number one importer of hemp, yet we still don't allow our farmers to grow it in most states. There's all sorts of legislation pending around that. We also talked a little bit about the uh, the employment opportunities in hemp. We're going to continue along those lines, uh, but first we're also going to talk about the legislation because now there's groups, advocacy groups, all sorts of opportunities, employment beyond the research, analysis, quality control, everything that Andrea mentioned earlier. Andrea, can you tell us a little bit about the um, where we are currently with legislation here in the United States to, to actually finally put our own farmers back to work and let them put this money in their pocket and keep it in our economy? Absolutely. Well, thankfully, we have Section 7606 of the Farm Rule, which I commented on before. And I mean, it passed at 222 to 200. And this really defines industrial hemp and authorizes states licensed to do pilot type facilities through places of higher academia in conjunction with or under the OMSIS of the Department of Agriculture. So that's really set us up to say now the federal government, let's see, kind of, but does define industrial hemp. So that comes back to that legal definition. So that is a, was a huge step forward with us. And as of right now, we have 25 states that have a laws allowing hemp production or research, um, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Kentucky, Maine, Michigan, Montana, Nebraska, North Carolina, Virginia, Washington, West Virginia, Vermont, and Missouri, my home state. Whoa, well, shout out if that. that's your state. <laughs> that's right. So in all of these states, you know, these 25 states, we still need to still be driving policy in these states. So just because we have a win so far doesn't mean that it's not important to still be driving driving the issue and in calming and talking about it and also you know saying thank you so don't you know just because we have our way doesn't mean that we don't still need to have the gratitude that we need to say thank you for supporting us and still driving it and making sure they know it's important and those importance are coming out in bills such we had the omnis bill which was um basically controls the budget of the dea and that stated, the Department of Justice, that if a state is functioning underneath Section 7606, they're protected from any backlash or trouble from the DEA. And we've been seeing 
the DEA really come on board with Section 7606. We have to have import permits granted by the DEA because hemp is still technically classified as a controlled substance. But we do have two bills right now. One is in the House. That's H.R. 525, Chris, and that's the Industrial Hemp Farming Act of 2015. This was introduced by Thomas Massey out of Kentucky and basically defines industrial hemp and removes it from the definition of marijuana. And right now we have 60 co-sponsors to this bill. So we need so many more. So please, everybody, go over to VoteHemp.com. Go up to that take action tab and take action. And if your congressional leaders and your House of Representatives are a co-sponsor, call them and say thank you. Encourage them to encourage their other counterparts in Congress to also co-sponsor. Now, if we switch and we look at what's going on in the Senate, we have the companion bill that's sitting in the Senate. That's S-314. Right now, we only have nine co-sponsors. We've got some heavy hitter co-sponsors in there. This was introduced by Ron Wyden out of Oregon. So we've got uh, Jeff Merkley out of Oregon. We've got Kentucky. We've got people from Colorado, Montana. So now we need to be making this shift and getting that number in the Senate up also and really driving this issue on the federal level so that they will straight across the board legalize the cultivation of industrial hemp as an agricultural crop whether that mean in a horticultural setting, depending on what the laws of the country will allow us to harvest off of this crop. So these are two important points. So please go to votehemp.com, go up to that top and take the action that is going to be required so that we have federal legislative change so that the reintroduction of the cultivation of industrial hemp can actually fully roll out and give the states the rights and the people of the states the rights to make that decision whether or not the cultivation of hemp is good for their state, which it's it's going to be good for everywhere that it's going to be cultivated in. What, what organizations do you recommend for people that are interested in legislation or websites? And and I know you have your radio show usually on Tuesdays right after this one. So not today. We got to snag you for our, our listeners today. I appreciate that. But what, what websites would you recommend for people that really want to get into what's going on with legislation and help support the movement? Absolutely. Well, you know, we we have Vote Hemp, which that's really the the political force. So if you're ever up in Washington, D.C., or if you've got any questions about how to communicate with your legislative leaders, please reach out to Vote Hemp. You can contact Ben Droz directly. If you're going to be in Washington, D.C., they can help coordinate with you to go and speak with your representatives or your senators. So VoteHemp.com. Of course, the Hemp Industries Association, which has been, you know, a super trooper from the beginning or really fighting this battle for us. And we actually have our conference coming up. The Hemp Industry Association has our conference coming up in Lexington, Kentucky in September. So that is going to be oh, amazing. Be We're going to have a Oh, it's just going to be just stellar. And there's some new things going to be coming out from Hemp Technologies. We're actually booking a hempcrete workshop in North Carolina. It hasn't been fully released yet, but on October 2nd and 3rd, we will be having a hempcrete, two hempcrete workshops down in North Carolina. So looking forward to that. And that's from Hemp Technologies. And of course, you know, there's so many great grassroots groups that are popping up. There are clubs in the states. We have the Hemp Industries Association state chapters. And then if you want to look internationally, you've got the Canadian Hemp Trade Alliance, which is based out of Canada and represents the stakeholders in Canada and all of the stakeholder members from all those countries. They've got their conference coming up in Calgary. It's a four-day event that's happening in November. 
You have the European Industrial Hemp Association. They're based in Germany, but representing the EU. Their conferences are in May. So it's a great opportunity to really see what what best suits you, the information that's being spoke about at these conferences. But, you know, going down to Kentucky, down to Lexington, for me is going to be just so great to see and be, be able to stand by all the proud people that have had the opportunity, you know, from and are still fighting and educating for the right of industrial hemp in the U.S. Yeah, is it is where does the U.S. stand compared to other countries? I mean, you just rattled off a whole bunch of associations worldwide. I mean, we were stymied, you know, like you said. There's a few conspiracy theories out there. A few of them sound pretty reasonable to me. <laughs> but, but but at the end of the day, where does the U.S. stand in terms of the rest of the world in utilizing hemp and bringing it to market? Did they get caught up in the same kind of misconceptions that we did here in the USA? Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, so many people follow the U.S., right? So, I mean, if the U.S. does something, you know, other countries, they look at that and say, what's happening? Now, with that said, what's happening in the United States has caused an eye-opening event around the globe. Uh, So, now maybe we had countries that were like, oh, you know, a little sitting on the fence, Chris, not quite sure. How do we look at this hemp thing? And then say, hey, look, now we're starting to see all this forward movement in the U.S. We don't want to miss out on this opportunity. So that's what's happened in the U.S. has opened up an opportunity for the rest of the globe to follow in suit. And also, in so many words, caused our, you know, political, global political leaders to kind of smarten up in that way and say, hey, look, like this is a crop that's being grown in in Canada and the United States and China just came 22 days in China and saw such a great just wow you know, such a different type of agricultural system. So starting to look at economies of scale when we're talking about the production of industrial hemp, you know, how can a family survive on uh, four acres? How can a family survive on 10 acres? How can a, you know, and then, and then how about we look at larger scale agriculture when we want, we need to have these large stocks of food so that we can be buying them on the commercial market. So there's a, there's a great space in there for allowance of economy of scale. Wow. That sounds, now, do you think the medical marijuana movement has hurt or helped the, the hemp movement? I, I know there were people that were against it saying, well, the people that are for hemp are really just trying to get their foot in the door to go the rest of the way and legalize uh, medical marijuana, which I know it's a, there's a distinction between these two plants. You might want to address that. But do you think this whole movement is, is helped or hurt the, the legalization of industrial hemp? Uh, you bring up a very good question uh, and, and something for us to all to sort of contemplate. And I've, I've said this, that we may and will experience what is a natural cannabis cultural clash Mm. amongst what's happening when we're talking about the cultivation of of marijuana, medical cannabis, just as as a common name marijuana versus industrial hemp because of cross-pollinization issues. So we've all, we've we've seen this already. And as we start to look at, you know, probably around, you know, 6,000 acres licensed in 2015, approximately, and that's coming out from Vote Hemp. So around that 6,000 acre mark, maybe more at the end of the day from the last time the report was put out, you know, that can have some major impact. And we started to see a, a, a pushback, of course, from our colleagues in the medical cannabis sector, understandably, because we that's going to be an issue and we've seen this happen in in Oregon for instance where there's been resistance and I've actually had to do some testifying on behalf of our colleagues in the medical cannabis sector to say is industrial hemp a risk 
to the cultivation of only flowers, only grown plants. Well, well, for our and, listeners, real quick, before we continue, for our listeners that might not understand, when you talk about the risk of cross-pollination, could you just explain that real quick? The, the, ab- the- absolutely. Well, when you're growing um, bud only for flowers in the medical cannabis sector or in the extract sector, when you're talking about extracting the cannabinoids, some constituents that are in the in the flowers, you will prevent the males from pollinating your females so that you get this really nice bud that's dense or, and then once you allow the pollinization, then you're getting all of the seeds or the grains that are going to be setting in there. And, you know, we want to have grains when we're talking about hemp food production or hemp growing for uh, seed production under a pedigreed seed system. But when we're talking about wanting to grow for the flowers or the bud only, then pollinization is not something that those growers want to see. So, you know, this is something that we're going to have to work it out as time goes. We're really, we're the only country that's really facing this in the U.S. I mean, in Canada, we do not have outdoor production of medical cannabis underneath our new MMPR regulations in Canada. So, and, you know, in, in Europe, they have their own type of medical cannabis regulations, and most of those are grown indoors. So when especially uh-huh. damaging, potentially damaging to growers that are cultivating their medical cannabis un, under sun grown. Wow. So, well, that's interesting. So that means it, it seems like there's going to be some natural places in the country where people congregate to either do the medical or do the, if, if it continues to be outdoor and they don't regulate it in some way, we might see these geographical pods of people concentrate on one plant or the other to prevent the cross-pollination. You, you think that's a possibility? It is a possibility, and we'll see that, I think, kind of flush itself out um, Mm -hmm. as the industry grows. And I just think on both sides, we just need to be respectful of our colleagues that are cultivating cannabis overall, whether industrial hemp or medical or or recreational adult use, however you want to put it. So just to realize that, you know, we have to be respectful of that as we move forward and and there's plenty of room for all cannabis industries when we're looking at the grander scheme of what people need and what they need to access. And we need to have the right to access industrial hemp in a legitimate way that provides us, you know, framework to be able to function in the system. Well, let me transition a bit real quick because we've got a few minutes left here for the show. I am just always fascinated. I first saw you years ago, I, I guess maybe maybe five years ago at a at Forever Green con- conference up in, in Utah and was, I loved you. I mean, you were the first, yeah, I had fun. I had a lot of fun, but also you were, the, I mean, you had your PowerPoint slide. You were at the time you were going around helping farmers change over to, to the, you know, decortify. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but the, the door decortification machines to uh, strip the hemp and, you know, the, the, the issues they needed to address to be able to change to their tractors to handle hemp versus the other crops they've handled. And I just really felt like you were just full of information. Then the more I learned about about you and I've just been you know coming in and out of my circle over the last few years. You know, you're the president of the Hemp Association. First of all, maybe you can introduce yourself to people and tell them who you are. I know you do consulting around hemp. You're now teaching at the University of Oregon. I want to I want to learn all about that because that's an online course that people can do from anywhere. So I think that's great. But maybe you can just tell people some of the things you're into. Absolutely. I mean, as you stated, Oregon State University launched the world's first four-credit university-level course. You get three credit hours, or you can audit the course or take it as an extended education. It's a 10-week course. At the end, like I say, you can walk away with three credits, and I love that driving academia. That's something I'm really passionate about. 
I, I'm, I have been incredibly blessed in, in my hemp journey to have the opportunities I've had to prove myself as a hard worker and somebody who's completely dedicated to this crop and the improvement of this crop and, and to share the information. Of course, I have to pay my mortgage, but I still do so much sharing. And that's what I love is that, that education bit. So I am the president and co-owner of Hemp Technology. So we were the builders of the first permitted houses down in, in Nashville, North Carolina. This is why I'm so excited for him. Technologies wow, working with him. Congratulations. I know lots of people have been working on that. Congratulations on getting permitted on that. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that that's been really great. And this is really setting the precedent. I mean, that's a, another great thing is to be opening the door for people and, uh, and an opportunity that goes beyond you. So, you know, knowing that you impact people. I mean, when I met you first at Forever Green, and that was like eight years ago, really. Yeah, it was it really? It was, wow. Yeah. Oh, I feel old. It was, <laughs> it, it, was, it was so great. I was really inspired. You know, we had people there who were from Japan. We got to meet. We hung out in y'all's bus. We just had a great time. And, you know, so, you know, besides that, um, of course, I do general advisory consulting services. I've helped with uh, legislation. Legislative, um, we you know I can help conduct variety trials, uh, brand ambassadors for companies such as great brands like Hemp Hoodlum. So having the opportunity to be a voice in the industry and and you know so many, I've been so grateful. I mean I was featured in Doug Fine's book Hemp Bound this year. So to have these opportunities and I get people who say oh you know I saw you and bringing it home thank you and. And, you know, oh, I read about you in this book and oh, thank you. I, I follow you on Facebook. Thank you. So to get that, it really makes me know that, you know, number one, I'm on the right path and that the passion I have is really touching people. And that, that makes me feel really good about life's work. Well, that's great. And I know you have your own radio show on Tuesday nights as well. And we're not competitors. They, they can listen to me and then they can listen to you. <laughs> You're right at six yeah, o'clock Pacific. <laughs> absolutely. Listen to all your cannabis, you know, pro cannabis. I'm on the Time for Hemp Network with our good friend Casper. And, you know, that's been really great. So that's iHemp Radio. Please sign up. Come share about your hemp passion. Chris, you should come on. We talk about the show and everything that, you know, you guys are doing. I really I was at the that site today. I loved it. I actually, I loved it. I, I was prepping for this show with you, and that's kind of why I just wanted to have this open forum. I find you fascinating. You're, I mean, as I open the show, I don't know anybody that has the breadth of knowledge across all the various disciplines with this crop. Uh, I mean, we're from production to, to marketing to, to, you know, so I, anyway, I was, at, I was at that website, listened to, you know, portions of some of your previous shows, and I think that's a great website. It, it, it's it's good and it it provides me an opportunity to have a really level playing field and feature so many great people out there doing so many great things because often I'm in the front and I'm you know I'm the one giving the presentation so this way this gives me an opportunity to open my doors and people who want to listen in to hear about other people's projects and it, it's just a way of paying it forward to all the people out there doing the hard work that I, I love and respect. Yeah. You know, we've been kind of hinting around about how good, you know, we feel and, and you feel about being involved with this crop. But I mean, for those of you that, you know, we forget sometimes that some people might not even be aware. I mean, one of the great things about hemp in my mind that always excited me was that it requires very little pesticides to grow. And, and when I think about the farmers that are out there in these fields, working with these pesticides that are bad, not only, you know, the environment, but to think of the children and all the immigrants that are out there in these fields. You know, when you use hemp products, um, you're, you're, you're making a difference in the world. You really are. You're, you're helping support the, you know, this industry that can really have a huge impact. And so I, I agree with you, Andrea. I think, 
think that that you know what we need to do is support these companies that come out. And the, I'm going to go check out Hemp Hoodlum, you know, right after the show. I haven't heard of that one, <laughs> so oh. you know, I think. I mean, I, I really kind of feel like I'm on a cause when I'm sharing. Hey, check out this new cool hemp product, and and to put our own farmers back to work. It, it just solves so many issues about and i i heard i don't know if this is true but i i've, I've heard that they even planted uh you know hemp at the chernobyl nuclear disaster because apparently it pulls toxins from the soil is that correct i know you teach a whole course on this is, is it would that sound reasonable to you yeah i mean there has been shown for cannabis industrial hemp to have phytoremediation properties to it so that's something that we still are you know have not even really started to research really core, like what kind of impact that that type of cultivation of this crop could, it could assist us in reclaiming land. So that's something that's a great university project. So I'm really looking forward to the next years to see what comes out of all of these projects. I mean, if you look right now, you know, you've got, um, there's hemp growing in Oregon, there's hemp growing in Colorado, North Dakota, Illinois, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Vermont. So definitely, you know, if you're out there and you are in school, talk to your professors about this, talk to them and, you know, start really, you know, pouring water on those roots and, and getting this to really grow. It's going to let up like a wildfire across. And, you know, and, and also, you know, a lot of efforts going on in, um, in Nebraska and Montana. So there's just so much room for growth. And, and what kinds of things will people learn in your, on, your online course at uh, Oregon State University? Now, the online course is so great, WSC 266 over at Oregon State University. I was pulled into that by Dave Sieber, our good friend over great another great hemp brand, uh, Hemp Shield, amazing wood deck sealer. I, I oh, I've met him, box. yeah. Yeah, we've, I've, I've, I've actually talked to him before. That's a great product. I did videos out in Dolan Springs. A intentional community is using that, and they, they did all their fences, and we left it out there in the 110-degree heat, and that Hemp Shield was unbelievable. I mean, It is. Unbelievable. I look Unbelievable. out my, I look out my window and I see my hemp shielded uh, clothesline post and my hemp shielded barn. Yeah, so Dave Sieber, um, you know, really was the person who got the fire going at OSU and got interest from Dr. John Simonson. So what we were able to do, I came on as the lead of the project, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to bring together people that I really respect in these areas because yes I might know something about composites and I know a little bit about nanotechnology and I know a little bit about decks and sealers but I am not the real person <laughs> I mean we've got to go beyond ourselves and say hey you know what I know a little bit here's the real guy so I was for instance able to bring in Dr. Chad Alvin from North Dakota State University he gave prepared two great lectures on hemp as a biocomposite making into you know uh, tabletops and boats and, and those types of things I was able to bring in Dr. Richard Pranis from the University of Connecticut to talk about hemp as a biofuel Dr. George Weblin came in to talk about the genetics of hemp and, and, and breeding and the importance of breeding. We had guest lecturers from Oregon State University come in from textiles, from botany, from pharma, pharmaceutical, pharmacological studies. So it was so great. Steve Allen came in and gave presentations about uh, hempcrete workshops. John Dvorak came in and talked about, you know, the cannabis curriculum. So to bring all those people to the table really wow. means that the course is really diverse. So you're getting everything from a little bit about, you know, um, the market structure when we start talking about using hemp, bass fibers from hemp. Well, what does that look like when we start comparing that to other crops? 
Uh, Jerry Shapiro from Mary Hempsters uh, came in and talks about hemp as a body care product. Donnie Warshafter came in and gave a presentation really based on the, you know, sort of historical context around decortication. So to have all of those really gives the students an opportunity to see hemp on this on a very broad spectrum. And of course, we're learning every single day and trying to improve the course every day. And I love the the, the interaction the students start having and you start to see that passion. So many students say, before I saw this class, I never even knew what industrial hemp was. Wow. And to see them really, really start to understand and, you know, and ask the tough questions. It's it's really good. So it's WSC 266 Industrial Hemp. We've got a course starting in September. We still have room in the course. There's no materials you have to buy. So everything is provided for you. You can take it online anywhere. You have access to a internet and be able to log on. So you could be doing the lectures in the middle of the night during the day. You could be stay-at-home mom. You could be a retiree. It's it's open for everybody, and it's built around the first, second-year students, so it's not overly complicated. Yeah, I'm on the website looking at it now. What What does distance learning at a college look like? I mean, is it a, a, like once or twice or three times a week you get on an online live stream or, or you know, well, these are that... all pre these are all pre-recorded courses so that the students can watch these lectures at their leisure. And I, oh, wow. I really like that ability to learn on your time frame because we're all so busy. Our families are big. We've got a lot of stuff going on. So you're able to stream these anytime you like. The lectures are all there with the transcripts. There's interactions that are going on. So everything is done online. You can take it pretty wow. much at your own pace. There are scheduled time, scheduled assignments that are due. We have one of my favorite things about the course is I give, I have a creativity presentation. And what I tell students is that you can do anything you want to do, just make it creative. <laughs> and so I've had students make puppet shows. They've wrote songs about industrial <laughs> hemp. They've put together websites. They've made, you know, they want to be a fashion designer. So they've sketched me some designs as their creativity presentation. So I want them to be able to say, you know, I want to be this. And how, if I want to be this, what does, how can I be that and focus on him? So I really love the creativity presentation. I have students tell me that they never out of a university professor tell them, you know, just be creative. Right. So yeah, I know. I wish I had college professors like you. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's so much fun. And that's what I want this course to be about. I want it to be about fun, but I want it to be about educating. And I want it to be about honing in on our individual passions. Um, so and and that's been great. I've had I've had students from uh, Italy. I've had students from across the U.S. and abroad in India. I had a student take the course from India, which has gone on to start a hemp business. So it's so great to see students come in and 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 really take this and start incorporating it into their life outside of academia. Oh, that's great. Wow, that sounds exciting. Well, you know, I'm going to take a look at that. That I, That's why I asked that. I was thinking, well, I don't even have to be at a certain place at a certain time. If I can do it at my own pace whenever I feel like it, that's great. Absolutely. It's around, it's around $800. Now, if you're, um, and the nice thing about it also is there's no out-of-state tuition because all of the eCampus extended education courses are offered at Oregon State University. So you don't pay an additional price if you don't oh, live in nice. Oregon. And if you're 65 and older in Oregon, please check it out because I do believe for a very minimal registration fee of maybe like $50, you can take any of the extended education courses at Oregon State University for free. If you wow, are an that's Oregon resident good. over 65, yeah. And, so. and, these are, and, and this is a accredited college, so even if they're going to another college somewhere else, they might be able to transfer those credits in as well, correct? 
Absolutely. And I have had students do that also. So pick up, take this course as an interest. Uh, and it, it's just been great. We see, you know, lawyers out there now and people get stepping into the professional roles and stepping into those professional roles using this course as a means of talking and understanding industrial hemp. And then, you know, coming back and teaching me, which is also what I love is, you know, for my students to also become part of a mentor to me. And, and what's your website? I mean, what's your, do you have a, a main website that people can go to and link out to everything or your Facebook page? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. Everything's just, you know, you can check us out over at hemptechnologies.com. So that's okay. the, our, my building site. And then of course the Ridge, uh, the Ridge Consulting is my advisory services. So it kind of depends on what you're looking for. I, you know, I provide hemp food products by bulk. So that's part of my business is on, you know, on working with the contractors and the processors to be able to provide that bulk product. We, you know, right now working on a lot of variety trials, which are really important, Chris, and, you know, want to make sure, you know, as we start to talk about the rollout of, of hemp in the United States is, you know, what are these cultivars going to react like? So we're starting to see these really great projects going on, actually doing these types of variety trials. So we can say, okay, this variety did well, this variety didn't do so well. So we can start, you know, recognizing that. So as we start to ramp up production in the U.S., we're working with the pedigreed seed systems and the plant breeders to provide the best cultivars we can. And, and that's hemp-technologies.com, correct? That is correct. Just hemp-technologies.com. And as I said, we've got a workshop. Uh, if you, everybody, if you go on over to the website and go to the workshop page that we have, we've got a workshop coming up in September in Ontario. That's in conjunction with Sue Oliver, which is a hemp builder in the west, in the eastern side of Canada. So check that out. And then, as I said, our very exciting workshops coming up in Asheville, North Carolina, on October the second and third. So we're really looking forward to those. Well, well I'll tell you what. I, you know, I know. Normally end a conversation with asking people what they appreciate most about what they do because I'm all about appreciation. But your entire interview is just infused with appreciation of everything you've already. You love talking to people. Your students coming back. I think anybody who's listening to this knows that this is truly your passion. I'll, I guess I'll, I'll ask you this instead: What do you think people need to know out there about hemp that they might not know today? If they're listening to the show, whether they're brand new to hemp, like you said, they've never heard about it. I mean, what do you think people need to know out there that we can care? help carry that message? I say people deserve to, to know about industrial hemp. They deserve to understand it. They deserve to have the legal language to define this crop. They deserve the right to access. And that's what this boils down to is the fact that if we want, you know, the United States is the largest importer of hemp products. So how can we be the largest importer? And I mean, I'm from Missouri. I've immigrated to Canada, but it still drives a passion in me. So how can we be the largest importers but deny our own people the right to cultivate and process this crop? So there's just something wrong about that. So I want people to, you know, stand up for themselves. I want them to ask the question. And you don't have to have all of the answers to ask the question. So that is what's so good is to, you know, we bring all kinds of people together, like Hemp History Week, another great event that's out there that typically happens in June, really talking about education. So I, I believe people have the right to knowledge about the industrial hemp. Well, Andrew, Andrea, thank you so much for being on the show. I, I, 
I, I mean, you just have so much information. I can't imagine. I think this is uh, so beneficial for people that are out there. I'm going to check out your your online university course because I think that's awesome that, you know, we, we can get educated from an accredited university with credits that can be transferred and the knowledge. I mean, what you're actually going to learn, the most important thing, uh, this sounds really exciting to me to meet all those people. And I really appreciate everything you're doing out there. I, I think people... You know, I'll, I'm going to talk about this when I close the show, but people really, I don't think, have scratched the surface on the impact we can truly have with our shopping dollars and with our social media when we get behind a cause. I loved what you mentioned, you know, not only harassing, you didn't use the word harass, but, you know, advocate with our legislators, but come back afterwards. And, and I haven't heard anyone say that before. I can't believe I haven't heard it before because it makes perfect sense. I know that appreciation is a huge impact on people. And I can't believe I've never heard anybody say, did you, did you email back and thank them for supporting our legislation. So I really appreciate you bringing this good vibe and energy to this entire industry. And thank you. I, you're definitely one of the people that's helping shape the future with hemp. Thank you so much. It's, it's good to be here. <laughs> All right, folks, we'll be right back after this break. I'm Elena. I have a master's degree in giving hope to children in Ethiopia. I'm John. My farm experience helped villagers in the Philippines feed themselves. I'm Nanaya. I have a degree in making an impact for generations to come. If you have a degree in agriculture, the environment, or teaching English, you actually have a degree in doing more than you ever thought possible. Peace Corps volunteers can truly make a difference in the lives of people all over the world. With your skills and education, you could help create an irrigation system for a small village in Paraguay, or share new teaching methods to educators in Moldova. The experiences you'll gain in the Peace Corps will stay with you forever. This is your chance to make a real difference, a difference only you can make. Explore how the Peace Corps can fit into your future. Visit peacecorps.gov. My resume. My resume. My resume now includes changing lives. Do you know a nonprofit that could use more money to accomplish their mission? Are you working for a charitable cause right now and need funding to do more? Nonprofitfundraising.com is dedicated to helping nonprofits and charities raise the funds they need. Discover the best fundraising ideas of 2015 and compare your fundraising results with others. Learn how to grow your organization and connect with more supporters at nonprofitfundraising.com. That's nonprofitfundraising.com. Welcome back to Up Close with Chris Tinney. To call in and be part of the show, dial 1-866-472-5788 from anywhere in North America. That's 1-866-472-5788. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Up Close. What an awesome guest. Andrea Herman, uh, the president of the Hemp Industries Association, the big event they have coming out there in Kentucky. We talked about uh, hemp, why it's so important. You know, folks... I love doing shows like this. I appreciate everybody who shares shows like this because it's shows like this that actually make a difference. When you find out how many acres of trees that it would grow, four acres, for one acre of, of hemp to produce the same product, to make all the same paper and all of the same things, and, and what it can do for our environment, that our colonists were required to grow hemp because it was seen by, by Thomas Jefferson as being imperative, in his words, to the success of our country. When you look at 
World War II when our government made videos. The Agricultural Department, which is posted on my Chris Tenney fan page. I'll, maybe I'll put that up on ChrisTenney.com tonight with the show. When, when, you know, this is the government asking our farmers to please grow hemp because we, we're in a war and we need it and it can do so many things. Uh, it, it's amazing. When you, when you realize the, one of the conspiracy theories that are out there, and it's not real hard to put the dots together, is that when that, that Hearst got up, was concerned that hemp could, could you know, impact his publishing industry with the, with the, with the product. And he didn't have to worry about this because the truth is the decortification of this plant, in other words, the, the machinery that's needed to turn it into paper, uh, it wasn't even close to being where it needed to be at that time, but he didn't know that. And so they, they along with some other people and, and uh, that thought it threatened their cotton crops, they lobbied to get hemp lumped in with, with marijuana. And that's how it became illegal. Up until that time, it was celebrated. It was celebrated in this country. Canvas, cannabis. Where do you think the word canvas comes from that are used on all the ship sales? Matter of fact, the Mayflower had a hemp, hemp sale. Uh, it's just been ridiculous that our country has not allowed our farmers to grow the hemp that our consumers are buying every day to the tune of making the United States the number one importer of hemp. We're paying other people's farmers to grow hemp, and we're sending our money to them. So I hope you share this show. I hope you learn more about hemp. If you're, if you're interested in this industry, I hope you go to that, that online college course and check that out. Because there, this is the future, folks. You see it in the news. You see what's happening with cannabis, both in the, in the medical marijuana industry with industrial hemp. This is a huge industry that's just opening up. It's, it's like the gold rush of the old days. And people are just now beginning to stake their claim on, on being solid brands, on being educated professionals. And that starts with, you know, going to people like Andrea and, and her courses at Oregon and the, and the, you know, people that she supports you to, but points you to, because these are the people that are creating solid brands that are going to last. And if you just want to learn more about how you can make a difference I, I hope you check out, you know, Vote Hemp on the legislation so you can email them. Go to my website, ChrisTinney.com. I've got lots of articles there on hemp. And, and share them because you're making a difference every time you do. So thank you, everybody, for uh, joining us today as we got up close with Andrea Herman. Uh, and hemp-technologies.com is her website. Uh, we're totally redoing ChrisTinney.com. I don't know. I got, when we hang up here and I'm off the air, I'm going to talk to some of our designers here. But we're re totally redoing. We're launching a new uh, phone app called the Spread Peace USA app. It's actually already re released in beta uh, in the Google Play Store and on iTunes. So it's already there. Uh, and I'm putting in some new pieces that are not only going to just deliver the shows, but allow you to connect with other activists that, that want to make a difference. And you can choose your category, whether it's the environment or to help animals or, um, you know, if, helping our homeless friends. Uh, you can connect with people and there's actions you can take. So I really hope you go to ChrisTenney.com. Download the app. It's in beta right now, but lots of uh, fun new stuff coming. And there's some cool stuff on there now. So thank you so much for joining us on Up Close with Chris Tenney. We'll see you next week as I introduce you to more of the thought leaders, activists, and social entrepreneurs making a difference, not only helping make the world a better place today, but help shaping our tomorrow. Namaste. This is the end of the show. 
You don't have to let the conversation end now. Visit ChrisTinney.com to learn more about today's topic. Listen to past shows and connect with like-minded people. Up Close with Chris Tinney is broadcast live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel and rebroadcast online and throughout North America in select markets. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. And we'll see you next week on Up Close with Chris Tinney.